0: It's January 29th, but for some of you, you know, I haven't gotten to see you, some of you, you haven't been here the last week, three weeks, so I want to say to you, Happy New Year. I think, you know, we're still in January, it's amazing, is anyone amazed that January is almost done? Yeah. I, I look at, I just go, wow, this is incredible. And I am so excited to be up here this morning, I'm, I'm excited to be bringing the message this morning, and uh, I've been excited and told about this for several weeks, and I've been planning and preparing this message, and uh, you always know when God really wants you up here is because you get sick the week before. <laughs> and um, the cold has um, flown through my house, through all my kids, both my kids and my wife, and uh, just pray for me as I give the message this morning. So I will not be shaking hands, hugging. I'll do a fist bump here and there. Um, don't want to be spreading, spreading germs. But, uh, but yes, Happy New Year to, to all of you. Um, how many of you, uh, just by raising hands, just thinking about 2011, how many of you um, are excited 2011 is over? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how many of you uh, actually make New Year's resolutions? Yeah, some of you. You you put some up. How many of you made some for 2011? How many of you made five or more New Year's resolutions? Five or more? Anyone? For 2011. For 2011. Okay. All right. All right. Five or more. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, How many? Four or more for 2011. Four, three, three. Okay. A couple hands. Good. Good. Two, two. Yes. One. One New Year's resolution. Yes. Okay, now the question is, did you accomplish that New Year's resolution? Yes. Yeah? How many of you accomplished five? the five? What year? Your? 2011. You're now in 2012. We're looking back at the last year. The last year. But four? Three? How many of you accomplished all three? Yes? Good. Two? Two? One? Yes? You accomplished it? Good. Excellent. Wonderful. There is something... There is something about the new year. There is something about January 1st and that ball dropping. There is something about starting something new. I I don't know about you, but for me, 2011 was a tough year. For this church, it was a tough year. We went through a lot last year. There was a lot of ups and downs, a lot of good stuff, and a lot of not-so-good stuff. And 2011... Was a, was a period of time where a lot of things happened. But I wonder about those things that, that didn't happen. For some of us, we've already set New Year's resolutions for 2012. How many of you have set five or more New Year's resolutions for 2012? Yeah, okay, a couple of you other different people. Four? Three? Yeah? Two? Okay, two. Yeah, I've got two. One? One? Excellent, okay. How are you doing on that so far? Some of us, we, we get into 2012, we started January 1st, and we pulled off the shelf the chronological Bible, the daily Bible reading, right? Right? <laughs> it's January 29th, and for several of us, we only have three days read, or something like that. We started out really strong, going, this is the year, and Genesis chapter 3, was just like, What? what's going on? Do I, really? Okay. Or, you, or you're really committed, and all of a sudden you get to Leviticus, and it's like, ooh. And you're like, seriously, God? Why? What is going on here? I, it's amazing about New Year's resolutions. It's amazing about figuring out what you want to accomplish this next year. For me, there's two things, and I, and, and, and this is, this, this is this is going to bring a lot of accountability right now. I just want you to know. And I'm not going to... I was thinking about I was thinking about actually having y'all share your, your New Year's resolutions and really bring accountability, but I'll just share mine. First one, I need to lose some weight. I, my goal is to drop about 30, 35 pounds. Okay? So I'm hoping... I'm hoping that I'll, I'll lose that this next year. I'm working hard, but now there's some accountability, and, you know, you see me eating a bagel. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> so... That's why I ate it before service. So, <laughs> second of all, my wife and I are going to be debt-free this next year. That's a goal for us. So, it, it's, 2011 was tough. But, but 2012, that's my goal. That's my dream. So, that's, that's what I'm shooting for. Spiritually, I have a lot of goals that I want to do this year and I want to accomplish. Those are two personal ones for me. And I think about these New Year's resolutions, these times in our lives, these rhythmical, rhythmical, Chad, is rhythmical a word? Sure. Rith, rhythm, rhythmic. These rhythmic times, <laughs> rhythmical, right, whatever. I'm sick, it's okay. Uh, these rhythmic times in our life, January becomes that time for many of us where we set to accomplish a new thing. Where do you hope to be January 29th, 2013. Where do you hope to be spiritually? What do you hope to look like? What do you want to work on this year so that when you look back, like we just did about 2011, do you look different from you when you were a year younger in 2011? Where do we want to go? Where do we want to go as a church? And I think for me this morning, I want to give us the one thing that Jesus says we need to be about. Now many of you have seen the movie City Slickers with Billy Crystal, Jack Palance. Yes, yes, okay, several of you. Wonderful, I love that movie. There's a lot of foul language and I'm not supporting it and I'm not, you know, but, but Billy Crystal is just funny. He's just got this humor about getting older, midlife crisis and, and things like that. And, and I see myself as I've gotten older to start going through these like, ooh, wouldn't it be fun to go run with the bulls? That's crazy. But wouldn't it be fun to go work on a dude ranch and drive cattle, you know, 200 miles on horseback? That sounds exciting. You know, these are the things that, that I start thinking about. And Billy Crystal goes through that midlife crisis. And there's a scene as they're riding. And Billy Crystal is with Jack Palance, the curly, as he's known, the, the ranch hand, the, the saddlebags with eyes, basically, leathery, tough, gruff guy. And I was actually wanting to use this scene and show this clip up here. But Jack Palance uses a cuss word, and I'm like, that's just not going to work. That's not going to... And I wanted to actually have his picture up on, the, up on the, the bulletin, but Nancy pointed out that in the picture that I sent, he actually has a little cigarette butt sitting out. And I'm like, but I'm the youth pastor. I should be able to get away with these things. But I didn't want to do that. Didn't want to do that. But Jack Palance looks at Billy Crystal's character, Mitch. He says, you got to find out the one thing. The one thing. Mitch says, "Well, what is that one thing?" You've got to figure that out. And everything else means nothing. Everything else means nothing. What's that one thing? And I thought about that one thing, and what did Jesus say our one thing should be? Year in, year out, day in, day out. What's that one thing? If you open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28, I want to look at that one thing. There's a pastor that um, I know. His name is Judas Smith. And uh, he's had a powerful uh, impact on my life. And, uh, and, and he is an amazingly gifted speaker. But two years ago, he lost his father. And he talks about in one of his messages the importance of those final words, the importance of those final things that his dad told him that he will never forget when he was sitting by his hospital bed, holding his hand, praying with him, talking with him. He always remembers those final words that his father told him. There's something about finality that leads to the remembrance of words especially. Jesus gives... The one thing in his final words of Matthew chapter 28. Verse 16 and following says this, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus' final words, he had had been crucified, he had been resurrected, he now meets with his disciples and gathers them together and gives them one last message. The one thing. He starts, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He had solely influence in Israel at this time. But through his death and through his resurrection, he'd now been given all authority. He'd been given influence in the entire world. And he's saying to his disciples, hey, this is mine. You have been following me for the last three years you have been living life with me, you know me. It's all been given to me and now I'm telling you this one thing. Therefore, go and make disciples. Now, in your notes you see four different words that I use: go, make disciples, baptize and teach, teach them. These are the four commands that Jesus gives, but I want you to I want to make it very clear because it's really only one thing that Jesus is saying here. Because that term for go is actually in a tense where it actually is describing while you are going, make disciples. And the other two, baptize and teach them, actually are subordinate to the making disciples. Baptize and teaching them to obey. There's a subordinate two words that are used two commands that are used to the term make disciples the amazing thing about this is that making disciples is the one thing that Jesus says we're all about he says to his faithful followers make disciples make disciples how are we doing on that I realized this last week that if Jesus' disciples didn't actually take this seriously, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't. Can you think of the person that shared Christ with you? Have you ever thought about who shared it with them? Or who shared it with them? Or who shared it with them? If you were to do a family tree, spiritually, what would that look like? Maybe it was a radio, a show that you listened to. That was my dad's story. He was on the 101 and had to pull over, because he was crying. You know my dad. That's not new, but he had to pull over. Listen to the radio program. Accepted Christ right there at Canaan in the 101. You think about who it is for you. And you go back Now the second question is how was 2011 in your disciple making While you are going wherever you're going whether it's at the grocery store whether it's in your neighborhood whether it's in your your workplace your cubicle your office your car While you are going make disciples of all nations This is a big one for Jesus. It's an important one because disciple is something that we don't often define. See, for many of us, you hear, go make disciples, and you think, oh, great, he's asking me to go tell my neighbor again about Jesus. Oh, I'm so scared. What if they ask me a question? He's an atheist or whatnot. But making disciples is about having people Follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and live out the mission that Jesus gives here. That's what it's all about. While you are going, make disciples, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Because it brings unity. The idea of baptism is the idea of bringing them into a family, showing them that they are adopted into the name of God Almighty, teaching them to obey. There's teaching involved in disciple making, there's growth. My daughter, who's five, thinks she knows everything. She thinks she can read and write, she's learning, and she's growing in that. But she can't write full sentences yet well she thinks she can but they're not spelled correctly but to her she's writing lyrics and music and things like this but and then asks us to sing along and we're looking at it going which way? there's growth involved has anyone around you taken one step closer to Jesus this last year? I ask myself this question all the time how am I doing? 2011 was not a good year for me. I look back and I'm ashamed. I go, oh, that's going to change in 2012. I know this is a big topic here at ABF because Men's Summit is going through a book called Real Life Discipleship. I am taking the college age students through this same book on discipleship building and making in this process. It's an amazing 12 week study that I am excited to be going through myself as i take these students through and i hope that we as a church will take it seriously here because we're a team we're a team and i played for westlake football i don't know if all of you knew this but i played for westlake football and and the idea is that not everyone is gifted in evangelism not everyone is gifted in hospitality not everyone is gifted in music but we're a team And just like I wanted to be a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, God did not build me that way. I was an offensive lineman. I was big, I took up space, and I hit people hard. (laughs) Right? But what was my goal as an offensive lineman? The same as the quarterbacks, the same as the wide receiver, the same as the running back, was to score touchdowns. That was my goal, score more touchdowns than the other team. In the same way, we as a team here are all about making disciples. While we're going, while we're out there, we at ABF need to be making disciples. <coughs> this next week, actually uh, two weeks from now, two Mondays from now, there's going to be a pastoral conference here at ABF, 35 to 50 Pastors from around the nation are coming together here. And other other leaders are gathering together and Roland is leading a conference here in two weeks. There's a little flyer, a little handout in your bulletin, if you want to look at it. But he is challenging each of these men and women that come to take a pushpin and put it on a map, a world map that he has of saying that they are going to commit to going over the next three years, three times, to train up and build disciples in those countries around the world. It would be awesome if this morning we each took a pushpin and put it in our neighborhood. Because our neighborhood is a part of all the nations. And we need to start there. And Roland has asked us to be praying for this conference, and that you would cover that conference with where I am actually, I've been invited to attend, and I am attending, and that three-year commitment makes me very nervous. And I need you to pray for me. And pray for that. And so right now, as the worship team's coming up, we're, we're splitting up the message a little bit this morning, and allowing you to have a time to respond. And so my question for you this morning is, How are you doing making disciples? What's God put on your heart for 2012 in this area? And let's pray right now for that conference of these guys that are going to be coming and learning and being challenged. Let me pray. God, we thank you for the one thing that you've given us. We pray that we would respond and you would Penetrate our hearts, God. God, we lift up this conference in two weeks. God, we pray for these men and women that will be attending. We pray that you would give them strength and courage. We pray that they would be challenged to take up this one thing of making disciples nation by nation. God, over 35 different countries could be affected by this. This one conference, God. Millions of lives change for you. May we as a church, as a team of believers, may we unite in prayer. May we each be thinking about who it is that we need to be discipling this year. In Jesus' name. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. And He's called us to make disciples of all nations. Now, we looked at the mission, the one thing, and, and looked at the two subordinate clauses, but I want you to see what Jesus did while He was here. And He actually talks about His work. If you've turned to your, in your Bibles over, to the right, a couple of books to John chapter seventeen. This is, goes back a little bit in time, but we're going to the right. Jesus is about to be betrayed. He's about to be turned over. He's about to be crucified. He takes his disciples and he prays, and his prayer is recorded in scripture. And I want you to see this. John chapter seventeen. We're going to start in verse four, in the middle of his prayer. Jesus says this, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And I want you to catch this because Jesus has not died on the cross. He hasn't been risen. But he says in his prayer here, I brought glory to you by completing the work. Past tense. It's done. It's been completed. He's done his work. And what Jesus is saying here is the work in building disciples is huge. He has started this revolution that continues today. His death and resurrection are big, important parts. But he's looking at the lives that are going to be changed through the witness of these individuals that he's been living life with. He says, Now, Father, verse 5, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began Verse 6, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believed you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they Belong to you there's three major action steps that Jesus talks about here and in the new international version they're described this way in verse 6 Jesus says I have revealed you in verse 8 Jesus says I gave them the words you gave me and in verse 9 Jesus says I pray for them These are the three things that hit hit me hard. How in 2011 did I reveal Christ? Did I reveal Him? Not using words, but have I lived out as I've been going and trying to make disciples, have I revealed Christ to others? Have I been in contact with people? The idea about this is it's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. For me... A big part of that is, is meeting with people. And as I meet with people, we meet usually for coffee, for food, something like that. And I've developed relationships now with two locations that I repeat over and over again just to try to help build those relationships. Many of you know, I like Urbane Cafe right around the corner. Amazing food. Take it as you will. Kevin is one of the guys, one of the assistant managers there. He has gotten to know me now. We've built a relationship. He sees me come in with students. He sees me come in with adults. He's now asking questions about me. What do you do? I've now told him that I'm a pastor. I've invited him to come and be a part of the church. I've also gotten to know Tom, the owner of Urbane Cafe. When you get to know the owner, you've been there a lot. (laughs) Tom is a great guy. He owns the one here and he owns the one up in Ventura. And he comes down every now and then to check the books with his manager and things like that. And I've started to talk with him and build a relationship with him. Or we go to Angel Cafe. I tend to go with Jim Logegren and meet with him there. And he and I have a a waitress that greets us every Tuesday or every other Tuesday when we meet. Her name is Natasha. Cammie's the owner there. Building relationships with these people that know what we're all about. Praying for them. Asking God To reveal himself through us as we go into these places. As we are going, revealing him. Now oftentimes, and as Jesus said, he didn't just reveal. But in verse 8 he says, I gave them the words you gave me. He actually spoke to them and gave them the words that God had given him. This is a tough one for many of us. It can become something that's very uncomfortable when you're actually having a conversation with someone... And especially a spiritual conversation. Rod Stewart, one of our elders, has actually shared several stories of his words. He has a neighbor across the street. His name is Steve. Rod has taken up the idea of, I'm going to go take a lawn chair and sit on my front driveway. Watch the sunset. As he does that, Steve and his wife come home. He's now built a relationship with Steve. Steve. And he's now sharing with Steve about his retirement and his God and what he believes and striking up this relationship with Steve. He also attends a fitness club. I'm not going to say it. Well, I'm going to say it. And he spends time at the end of his workout in the jacuzzi. Rod Stewart has a jacuzzi ministry because all these business guys... (laughs) it's the hot tub <laughs> ministry. <laughs> hot tubs for Jesus. Um, wow. But he's now built a relationship and started to ask guys, what are they doing? Where are you finding fulfillment? He's talking with a Jewish guy who now wants to have a conversation with Rod more about Jesus. Because he actually used words. God gave Rod the words. And he's now using those words. And God has given to each one of us words. Are we using them? The third one is this. Jesus says, I pray for them. Not for the world, but for those you have given me. Now we're not talking about predestination. But Jesus uses this phrase here saying... Those you're going to give me as well as the ones you've given me now. And my question for you is, how are you doing on that prayer? Roland's been challenging us to pray five by five, five minutes a day, five times a week. If you were able to do that last year, I don't want you to do that this year. It's going to be a ten by seven this year. You see, when we work out, It doesn't make sense to do the same workout every day. Because as we reach those levels of accomplishment, we need to increase the challenges in our life. And a big challenge for for me this last year was prayer. And I wanted to work on it, and I've been growing. And I've been challenged, and I've seen God do amazing things. But five by five isn't enough. It's what's the next step? What's the next step? Where where do you need your spiritual muscles stretched? And maybe it is prayer. For me, it's it's accountability on prayer. When I say I'm going to pray for someone, I don't just say that. I need to stop now and actually pray with that person right there. Over the phone, praying for them over the phone. I even last week left a voicemail prayer on someone's phone. Called them up, they didn't pick up. Hey, I'm going to pray for you. You know what? I'm going to do that right now. Luckily, their voicemail went long enough and I got to get the prayer in. But actually, doing what we say we're going to do. Who do you need to be praying for? Jesus says he's praying for those that are going to be given to him. There are people in our lives that are going to be given to Jesus Christ in 2012, there are people in your influence that are going to become disciples of Jesus this next year. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you want that? This is the one thing that Jesus says we need to be about because if we're not about this, folks, we should just close up shop and go home. We need to be building and making disciples that are reproducing and making more disciples. That's when you know a disciple has completed their growth is when they are producing their own disciples. And we need to be doing that here. I grew up, as many of you know, at Calvary. And Larry DeWitt, in the old building, back in the day, had a wall. A wall of the sanctuary that he asked everyone in the church to write names of people that they were praying for on that wall. Well, I was in high school at the time, and so I took up the challenge and I wrote all of my football friends and their names on that wall. Just first name, last initial, that's it. Wrote a list. I had my football friends. Well, my youth pastor, uh, we were, our youth group was having a concert over there, and he asked me, hey, would you mind getting some of your football friends to come over after practice and mm-hmm. grab the chairs in the sanctuary and pull them all out, you know, just like we would do here, clear out the, just need some people, will you mind, I'll buy pizza. I'll buy soda, you can all eat for free, it'll be awesome, could you do that? I said, sure. So I invited my friends, and I said, hey, you know, my youth pastor wants us to move some chairs, would you mind coming over for 30 minutes, clearing some chairs, there'll be pizza, and soda, and stuff like that. Well, they came to the church, and we cleaned up, and we were eating pizza, and one of them asked me, hey, what are those names on that wall? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> Uh, those are people we're praying for. Why are you praying for them? Are they sick? Well, sort of. <laughs> praying that they'll come to know Jesus. And then this is the question that's dreaded: Do you have any names, John? Where are your names? Yes, I have names. I don't know where they are (laughs) no seriously we want to know where they're at no seriously okay and I showed them said they're right over there they're right here well one of my friends his name is Carl Holly not too many Carls out there and he sees Carl H up on the board hey who's Carl H John Um, You? You're praying for me? Yeah? I had one of my friends see his name up there, and he's like, oh, I'm already a Christian. I said, sweet. What we did over there is we actually, when people became followers of Jesus Christ, we actually took little stickers, little apple stickers, and put them next to the name. And I said, well, that's what those stickers are all about. Let's put one next to your name. Put one next to his name. Well, then all the guys were like, oh, I want to put a sticker next to (laughs) mine. Well, no. Last year, last Christmas, I had a friend, his name's Scott. He was on that football team. His name was up on that board. He was there that day. He wrote me on Facebook and said, John, I just want you to know that I'm coming back to the Lord. I didn't live the way I should have. But I know that you were praying for me back then. And I want to know the Lord and follow Him. You see, that list meant something. It was a written reminder, a memorial of the people that I had committed to praying for. We're going to have an opportunity today to do a similar thing. I've had a friend of mine paint this painting here. Another amazing Facebook story, just asking, hey, I have this idea On, I need someone with art skills. My friend from high school wrote me back and said, I would love to do that. I said, that's great. She drove out in her Toyota Corolla with this strapped to the roof covered in blankets yesterday so that I could have it today. And she told me this, she said, you know what, my apartment's been really small and I haven't gotten all my paint stuff out, but I really feel connected to God when I use my art skills. And I haven't done it in a long time, and this has been really good for me. What I want you to do right now as the band comes up is we're going to sing about the idea of unity. The idea of soon and very soon Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Have we shared with everyone that we should? And I want you to write on your outline during this song, I want you to pray and ask God to lay people's names on your heart. And I want you to write those names down on your outline and I want you to pray for them. And God's going to lay some people on your heart that you're going, there is no way they will ever come to know the Lord. But I want you to pray that they would become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And at the end of the message, we're going to actually have an opportunity to come up and write names on this tree that's bare of fruit. And my prayer is that we would see fruit this next year. That eternity would be changed for people that we pray for. But I don't want you writing names on this painting unless you're actually going to commit to be praying for them, laying them before the throne of heaven, and asking God that soon and very soon they would come to know Him. As a church, Let's lift these people up in prayer. The final part that I want to leave you with about that one thing is we get to this place and we can pray and we know that we're called to do this We know this is what we're called to do. We know that Jesus is asking us and wanting us to do this. But I want to encourage you with this. Matthew 16, Jesus talks about the power that we have in this process. Jesus is out at Caesarea Philippi with his disciples. He's gathered them up once again and he asked them a question, who do people say the Son of Man is? His disciples trip up and say, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say a prophet. And then Jesus turns the question and says, but who? Do you say that I am? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Your translation may say, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Jesus was actually, as I said, sitting at Caesarea Philippi, and just a few 100 yards from where he's sitting is a ginormous, that's a word, rock face. And it has a crack running right down the middle of it, and it leads down into a cave. And the people of this time Jesus is talking about knew this rock to be known as the gates of hell, the gates of Hades. And they believed that demons would go to and from hell through this cave here and through this crack. And what Jesus is saying here is that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Not saying as a church we need to put up bigger walls, thicker walls, higher walls so that the gates of Hades won't prevail against it. He's saying it's an offensive force and as we go we're told to rip the gates off the hinges we're called to go out into the darkness and bring light there for many of you people came up in your mind that you're thinking there's just no way, God and my challenge to you is God says that we are called to go into those no way God situations The gates of Hades and take them down. And reveal Christ to them to use the words that He's given us. To be praying for them, be lifting them up. And then Jesus ends and says, The gates or the keys to the kingdom have been given to you. And whatever you forbid on earth, We've forbidden in heaven whatever you release on earth will be released in heaven. What we do here, folks, has eternal ramifications. My desire for 2012 is that eternity would be changed for people. That He's given us the power, He's given us the tools, He's given us each other as a team to use our skills and our talents and how he's created us to go and make disciples. He's the God of this city. He's the God of the Caneo Valley. He's the God of the United States. And he's the God of this world. There's a lot of work to be done out there, folks.
1: I'm excited
0: about 2012. I'm excited about what God is going to do in the lives of His people. During this song, as we sing, if you'd like to, walk up, there's some sharpies here on the ground. If you would like to write your list of people on this painting, I would love for you to do it and commit to be praying for them as a reminder, as an accountability that others are seeing you write those names. And my prayer is that we would see fruit this next year. Let me pray. God, may you be lifted up. May you be given glory and honor. God, thank you for the one thing that we're called to do and nothing else matters God I pray that each one of us would be building disciples in our home raising children spouses up drawing them closer to you day in and day out that a ripple effect would start and neighborhoods would be changed for you that businesses would be changed for you God may you use us to change eternity for others in Jesus name if you would all rise to your feet please may the Lord bless you and keep you may his face shine upon you and be gracious to you may he lift his countenance and give you peace this week as you go and make disciples. Have a blessed week.